This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, November 16th, 2007. I'm Caleb Brown. How might the tools of economics help us better understand where we deceive ourselves, how we choose mates, or how to get better service from our doctors? Economist Tyler Cowan, an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute, has a few suggestions in his new book, Discover Your Inner Economist. I spoke with him following a forum for the book yesterday. When advertisers try to get us to buy something, they often play to our desires. More recently, have played to our sense of what we want out of life, not just the actual direct benefit of the product itself. They actually play, in many cases, to our self-deceptions, what we think we ought to be. And if we have this product, we could be that thing. Do you have any advice for people in terms of how they might want to evaluate how they're marketed to, to avoid being sucked into a self-deception? Well, often an advertisement is trying to sell a kind of affiliation. If you buy this product, you'll be cool. If you buy this product, you'll belong to a certain peer group. But the very fact that the product is being advertised means that in economic terms, its price is considerably above its marginal cost. Most of the time, what in fact you need to produce that affiliation is more self-deception rather than less. Just talk yourself into thinking you belong to that peer group or you have that affiliation. Forget about the product. You're cool anyway. And go away uh, thinking more of yourself and save money in the process. One example of a product that was very heavily hyped was the iPhone. When it came out, a lot of people bought one. And then a few months later, Apple cut the price. And there was a great deal of anger uh, surrounding that price cut. But they were doing exactly what you would expect a business to do. Well, the people who were the early buyers, and I'm one of them, I should add, they wanted to feel they were somehow special, that they were especially smart, that they were ahead of the curve. And then Apple did something which made them feel like fools. Now, personally, as an economist who has discovered his inner economist, this didn't bother me at all. I thought, you know, this is great. Cut the price, sell more units. But it's that disjunction between the initial, initial message, you're cool and smart, and the subsequent message, hey, you were stupid to buy when you did. That's what really irritated people. You talk in your book about getting your daughter to wash the dishes and other uh, instances of where people are trying to maintain control of their lives and how money uh, interacts with people's ability to control their lives. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, the first one of the first lessons of economics is you can't buy and sell everything. And that may sound counterintuitive because economics is about markets. But a lot of things you want, you get them by ways other than markets. So loyalty in the family is an example. Friendship is an example. So a simple principle of good personal economics is simply to be able to figure out what are the cases when you should use money and what are the cases when you shouldn't. And often in the family, money's not appropriate. We once tried to pay uh, our daughter to do the dishes because she wasn't doing the dishes every night. And we thought that if we paid her, she would do them. But in reality, she viewed the payment as a way her parents were trying to control her. And she wasn't sure she'd end up getting more money from her parents in the long run anyway, so she stopped doing the dishes altogether. Often, if you want children to do something, tell them that they're obliged to do it, and if they don't do it, it will shame their parents and their family. That's often a better motivator than money. Is that cultural, or is that something that could work in uh, families in the U.S.? 
It's cultural, but it also can work in families in the U.S. There are plenty of families in the U.S. where the children get better grades and the parents somehow do a better job of getting the kids to be ambitious and get things done. So even within the U.S., even forgetting about immigrants, there's an awful lot of variation. And simply hectoring the kids doesn't do it. You need to imbue the kids with some moral framework in which they should legitimately believe it's their responsibility to get their better grades or do the dishes or whatever else you're asking them to accomplish. You maintain an ethnic dining guide that in my short time in D.C. has been pretty helpful to me. But the advice you give in your book for fine dining seems pretty counterintuitive, which is order the ugly and order the unknown. Well, you should only order the ugly and the unknown at very good restaurants. If you go into a Burger King and order the ugly, what you're going to get is the ugly. If you're going to a very fine restaurant, you know, say Michel Richard or somewhere of comparable price and quality, the menu is very carefully chosen. It's very well thought out. If there's something on the menu that doesn't sound that normal, that sounds weird or maybe even disgusting, it probably tastes very good. It's why it's there. In other words, don't always order the roast chicken. Don't play it safe. But save your risk-taking up for when you know it's going to pay off, and those will be the fine restaurants. You also talk a little bit about giving up control in certain interactions where you are involved in a transaction that is with a dentist or with a physician or something like that. You suggest to people that they treat their dentist or their physician more like a used car salesman. Well, both your dentist and your used car salesman, they want to make money off of you. They admit it to themselves in different ways. But your dentist is a businessman. He needs to pay the rent. He needs to pay staff. He needs turnover. He needs to perform dental procedures. And he's told himself all these years, everyone needs dental procedures. It's the way to have healthy teeth. I'm just saying, be a little suspicious, not only about the procedure, but ask yourself, is this dentist giving me personally the best care possible? Am I being treated like just another one of the patients? Am I getting below average care? And just be willing to countenance the possibility that you could be doing better by your dentist than you're doing right now. Think about that. Then with your dentist, just try to stand out a bit. You know, be maybe nicer than usual. Mention your name. Mention who you are. If you do malpractice litigation, mention that as well. Just try something so that you get better care than average. Tyler Cowan is author of the book Discover Your Inner Economist and is an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute. A video of the book discussion is available at our website, cato.org.